Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Gabby. And I'm Emma. And we've both been trying for a baby for a really long time. And despite that, neither of us is currently pregnant. Uh-uh. Guys, welcome. Episode 9. Episode 9. Almost episode 10. Yeah. Which feels like a pivotal moment. Um, so, today we have for you a drunken feast. Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah. Oh, well, great. So we had the fantastic Hannah Vaughan-Jones come in. Um, if you don't know her, she is a CNN anchor, but she's also somebody who has spoken out about her infertility very vocally. Yeah. And emphatically. Yes. And she's got a pretty brilliant IVF diary on YouTube, which mm-hmm. everyone should go and watch because it is, I mean, it's it's sad, it's happy, it's um, it's just a real, it's the roller coaster, isn't it? It's a good representation of what happens when you're doing IVF. Yeah. And she's also got a really great dog. She has a really great dog. Mm, yeah. Fluffy. Yeah. Barry John. Mm, Barry John. Um, so yeah, so we had a really good time with her. Um, we swore quite a lot. Yeah, I I noticed when I was doing the edit. That's because we were drinking wine. We were drinking wine, everyone. Yeah. I arrived at the house and they were already there waiting for me, both drinking white wine. And I was like, this is going to be a good evening. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> it was organic wine. Just, yes. just for any nutrition fans out there. Of course. Um, and then you spoke to Professor Tim. I did. I spoke to Professor Tim Child, medical director at Oxford Fertility, about... But I'm... Drinking alcohol. Hey, <laughs> it's a party episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, we found out whether or not we should have been drinking booze with Hannah Vaughan-Jones or not. <laughs> You'll have to wait to the end to find out. Yeah. Um, and other than that, guys, thank you again for all the lovely messages we've received. We have had emails from as far-flung as Hong Kong. Yeah, America. More from Australia. More from Australia. It's... Yeah so impressive like i want to i want to know who our most exotic listener is yeah let's keep let's keep going guys keep them coming um also a lot of good feedback about the idea of doing a meetup yeah absolutely so please if you're interested please let us know give us a shout and we will try and think of a date and a place yeah i think so and also london we were thinking london because uh we live here Apologies to everyone that doesn't live in London. I know yeah. that's really annoying when everything happens in London. Yeah, but, you know. That's where we are, I'm afraid. Yeah, I don't travel. 
<laughs> you don't you don't do you Emma except to Margate if anyone wants to do a meet up in Margate I'll do that too <laughs> um yeah but other than that um please keep your really lovely reviews of the podcast coming and your ratings yes because yeah. they all help other people to find it and also make us happy ah oh, 100% mm-hmm. yeah and um follow us on Instagram yes you can get us at big fat negative or on Twitter Actually, if people could follow us on Twitter, that'd be really good because comparatively, our Twitter following is it's not as crap. good as Instagram. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would be really helpful. Yeah, follow at Big Fat Negative. Yeah, um, Facebook Big Fat Negative. Yep, or you can email us as always at bigfatnegativepodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah. Um. So enjoy the show. Yeah. Speak to you soon. Bye. Emma, how have you been? Well, I'm actually, like, really good at the moment. What? I'm great. Sorry, can you say that again? I am awesome. Wow. I know. (gasps) And I'll tell you for why. Please do. I'm on my period right now. Oh my god. Uh Uh-huh. And it came on day 28 of my cycle. I had a 28-day cycle. Is that not a perfect cycle? It's a perfect cycle. The perfect. Oh. Mate, I literally, I have been, after my um, ovulating around the right day triumph mm, earlier this mm, month, mm, you'll mm, remember it, mm. I have been literally grinning from ear to ear. I have a renewed sense of vigour. Oh, wow. I have been smiling. No. Yeah? People must think you're mad. Yeah, but I'll caution you. Um, last week I, there was quite a lot of spotting. Oh yeah, okay. And at that point, I actually had to go off Instagram because I was having not very nice thoughts. Um, okay. So I was basically I just I had a big wobble. Okay. Um, during last week, mm. I um felt very sad and very frustrated. It's probably a bit PMT to be honest. Yeah. But I was just, did you know? Yeah. The thing that is insane, right, is how much this envelops your entire life. So mm. you, if you're having a bad day fertility wise because you you're like worried about your cycle or you're I don't know, like you've had a bit of spotting or whatever, mm. suddenly you're having a bad day. Like I had a bad day at work. Um then I had one day where I was supposed to be working from home and the internet went off and I was just like, well, that's fucking typical, isn't it? Because everything's going wrong. The stars are aligned against me. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And then my period came. I'm just happy, mate. I'm just so happy. I, like, I have a good feeling about this month. Oh, it's so nice to see. Yeah? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Do you want to remind the, the listeners about your not-so-great cycles? What have you... What has the length so, been normally? Yeah. I'll take you back to the very beginning. I'll take us right okay. back. Oh, yeah. So when I went off the pill, I didn't have a period for somewhere between 60 and 90 days mm. um at which point I started to worry a lot then when my period finally came I um it was kind of it was fairly irregular mm. um then it started to become more regular and then every time I went on any kind of hormone treatment so I've done three rounds of Clomid I have done various kind of hormone um tablets to like bring on my period Mm. to prevent my period i've obviously been on the pill a few times um when i've been trying to do um ivf rounds Mm. and every time i do any kind of hormone treatment so i've done one egg 
egg collection cycle and I've done one a successful in that I actually managed to get around to embryo transfer embryo transfer cycle mm-hmm. and I've done one cycle where I have not transferred the embryo because it all went to crap and I've done various like oh I'm about to have an operation so I've got to go on the pill for a week for like a few weeks just so that I, my period doesn't start halfway through like before I have a laparoscopy mm. I've messed with my body a lot over the yeah, last couple of years the hormones have been all over the place three years actually almost three mm. years October it will be three years that I've been TTC um but yeah so I've done all those things and every time I've messed with my body I have had a really regular cycle for like three months afterwards which mm. has massively delayed a lot of my treatment and now I came off the drugs I had 28 uh, 28 day cycle straight away that's amazing, mate. I thank you. I'm really pleased for you. Yeah, so hopefully we what is now going to happen is I'm going to go for another natural cycle. Mm-hmm. If um, if that doesn't work out, if we get to... So I, I'm going to go for a scan on day 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we get to day 10 um, and the lining isn't looking good or my ovaries are looking a bit... I don't know what they would look like, but they're looking bad. Um, they want they're sad. They're yeah, frowning, <laughs> frown faces on them. <laughs> sad ovaries. <laughs> um, I'm so over it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was great. Thanks. Uh, um, yeah. So if we get to that point, they're gonna ask me to start injecting bisarolin, which, okay. as regular listeners will know, um, suppresses your ovaries, stops them from ovulating mm. um because they think i had a breakthrough ovulation last time mm. whatever <laughs> um so yeah so good cool good. I don't, i'm glad you're f- walking on sunshine i am i don't know what i'm gonna do if they want me to start on the drugs again because i think i might say no and just wait for the next month yeah yeah well i mean if you've got a thing about it in your head that it doesn't react well with you it doesn't well then you know just push for push for a natural one i don't think they'll like i don't think they'll be cross no i think they'll just be like all right fair enough let's give it a go yeah absolutely um and so you went off instagram for a wee bit i went for an off instagram um yeah because i just got a bit emotional and then i went and this is another interesting thing about my week i went to a wedding on saturday mm-hmm. of some nice people and we had a really nice time um but at the wedding i met this person and i won't go into too much detail about her because I haven't really asked her and I only met her once, mm. and, but she was nice. But um, suffice it to say, she'd had a bit of a terrible time. Basically, she'd been to see a, um, her GP, said, like, I think I've got something wrong with me. She hadn't been trying for a baby, but it'd just been kind of, she'd, she'd been suspecting. Mm. Um, GP referred her to a specialist. Specialist said, um, yeah, I think there's something wrong with you. Wrote to her GP, said to her GP, you need to monitor this person. Right. And then basically the GP kind of ignored the letter and she's ended up like un- unable to have children. Oh, God. And I just, I listened to this story and it felt so familiar to me. Mm. It reinforced to me the fact that we have to take control of our own care. Yeah. For me, if a specialist writes to my GP, I'll, you, you always get copied in on these letters. Mm. You've got to, no, understand what they're saying right like we i think we really should be pushing yeah and chasing to, things up chasing things up and just pushing to understand what we're saying 
The NHS is massively overstretched. Mm. Our doctors are massively overstretched. We need to be taking control of our own care. And that means being ruthlessly organised. That means ensuring that we understand everything. Yeah. I go into every appointment with a list of questions that I want yeah. to ask, which I have been thinking of for maybe the week before. Well, I um, I made the mistake when I had my first consultation at King's of despite loads of people telling me to write stuff down mm-hmm. I didn't write a single thing down I was in there and I was like just smiling and nodding like an idiot just like yeah. uh-huh uh-huh yeah. uh-huh didn't write any of it down left and didn't think anything of it until now I'm like oh what what did he say about that again and oh what was that result and it's just if anyone out there is going for their first appointment like everyone says it write everything down and yeah. do it like don't let yourself think that oh I'll remember this which is what I was yeah, like yeah of course yeah I was like oh I'll retain this information yeah didn't. you don't well I mean one thing that you can do which I have done in the past is just the little recording app on my phone oh, just hit record so clever such a journalist mm, I am you know just just record it and keep it for your own and then you can just refer back to it oh man that's a good idea yeah that's what I should have done yeah and just make sure that you've read back on like the most recent letters that you've read make sure that you're clear on what your diagnoses are and what your what you know don't expect them mm. to know what you're going through you need to be able to tell them right I've had this 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 and this treatment mm. I have um been diagnosed with this yeah. and this is what I want and if there's something that you want don't wait for the doctor to just be like offering it to you say to them like I don't know things like I said to my doctor do you offer an endometrial scratch now there's since been studies that suggest that maybe they're not as effective as we thought they were I don't know some people swear by them but it's just an example of you know what what can I have what can I add to this that's gonna improve it if you want a scan right and this is another thing I phoned up the clinic today to to try and to book a scan and the nurse was erring on the side of reluctant to book me a scan on day 10 really and I've had in one of my previous cycles I had the scan on day 14 now I wanted the scan on day 10 I was like right I want it on this date Mm. this is the date I want it yeah and she asked me all these questions and I was like I want it on that date I've been told that I need to be monitored and I want it on this date and just like you're not picking a fight with these people you are telling them and you are being clear about what you want because it is your body that is some great advice I just got quite angry about it. Well, fair enough, man. Fair enough. Yeah. Like things only come up in conversation because you're monitoring them or you're aware yeah. of them. You push, and also, you know, following on from last week or a couple of weeks ago that I said this, if your period seems weird, just tell your your doctor or your nurse mm. or whoever you're seeing. Yeah. If you think that having loads of spotting is a worry, don't wait for them to ask you. If you think that you've got black blood, still scares me. Oh, God, <laughs> something in our heads. <laughs> oh, you know, just talk to them, tell them. Like, yeah. go into, every now and then I'll go into an appointment with a nurse and I'll be like, so my cervical mucus is doing this. She hasn't asked me. No. Obviously, I apologise first because it is gross. But well, I mean, surely that's what they... They're know, supposed in, to ask this stuff, yeah, exactly. but they don't. If there's anyone you can go in and talk to you about your cervical mucus... Bring it up. Bloody fertility nurse. Just be like, my cervical mucus. It's How's green, yours, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then ask her how hers is and oh, see God. how she reacts. <laughs> Grim. That would be amazing. <laughs> and how's yours? Oh dear. Um, Gabs, you all right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, not had a great week. Um, emotionally, I would suggest. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know. I think I'm just a bit fed up. Um, you know, the waiting. 
the waiting, the um, the lack of success. Because mm. <laughs> where are you right now? So I'm two months into three months of trying okay. before speaking to the fertility clinic again. Okay, and you've so you've had your second period since you've been trying. Yes, right. Yes, that was while I was on holiday. Glory. Mm-hmm. Spoke about that last week, obviously. Yeah. Um, and now uh, I just I had a bit of a stressful day at work, and it kind of spiraled. And I think it's because I'm not terribly robust emotionally anyway hey you're so robust oh i don't think i am i think i'm a bit of a wobbly you're an emotional centurion (laughs) no mate i'm a a jenga with a few (laughs) missing blocks (laughs) um so i I don't know i'm thinking about maybe seeing someone about it just i mean also because of you know when we spoke to gordon he Mm -hmm. was like you go to the gym all the time why don't you go to the mind gym? I loved his mind gym. Chat. I know, and I'm like, well, he's right. I do. I I do go to the gym, and I and I I haven't taken care of my mind potentially. Every so I've had a bit of infertility counselling, mm. and one thing they do help you with is like how to kind of understand what's happening mm. and how to deal with what's happening to you. It it doesn't make the time run any faster, but no. Well, I suspect you know there's got to be something in there about lack of control. Yeah, and you know that spills into the that spills into the workplace, and then it's all of a sudden you're spiraling and you're catastrophizing about all sorts of things um, that are potentially completely not related, and you know you're just not in a good place. So I'm not I'm not as bouncy as you, mate. I'm glad one of us is bouncy this yeah. week because it'd be bad if we both came on and we we're like, oh, I hate it. <laughs> Life is so crap. I just think no matter how hard you try. Mm. this seeps into other areas of your life mm. you can't you can't just wall yourself off if you're having a bad time with your cycle as i just said mm. you're gonna have a bad day at work yeah yeah and it's gonna get shit and if you're feeling anxious about it that anxiety is gonna manifest in other ways yeah and if you're feeling sad about it that sadness is gonna manifest in other ways and if you're feeling cross about it you're probably gonna lob your phone at your husband like that's oh, just yeah. what happens yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry john um <laughs> Well, suffice it to say, my uh, my holiday glow, yeah. the come down has been quite steep. You still look quite tan, though, mate. <laughs> Thanks. At least I have that. <laughs> um, but uh, so obviously, last time we spoke, I chatted a little bit about my self-diagnosis. Ah, yes, of course. Of yeah. luteal phase disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got on the email and got in touch with the clinic and said, "Look, I've noticed this. Is it something that?" I should come and have a blood test about, work out if I've got progesterone problems. Yeah. Um, Taking control. Taking control, exactly. Self-diagnosis. Yes. Dr. Gabby. Yes. Um, And so, yeah, so I'm going into the clinic to do some, I guess, further tests or maybe just chat to the doctor. Who knows? That's cool, though. That is cool. Either way, as long as it puts your mind at rest. Well, exactly. And to be honest, I'll probably tee up maybe starting IVF. Yeah. Because I just, I have no hope that this is going to work. I, I mean, it's silly, but I just don't think it's going to happen naturally. And I suppose I may as well get into the process. Yeah, I mean, you know, once you're in the process, everyone has a miracle child, I heard. <laughs> it's so, easy, right? Yeah. I, I mean, think, what could possibly go wrong? I think that's, like, I would say 90% of IVF successes are just people shagging before their IVF. Well, that's what I hear from people who I talk to. I don't know. Everyone's got a miracle IVF story. Yeah, it drives me fucking mental. It drives me mad. It's not true. Or it is true, but like, 
That's like an urban myth that flies around and gives people yeah. false hope. Uh, well, I, I just um, come back to them by going, well, it's not going to happen for me because I don't have any fallopian tubes. And when it's your colleague, they're a bit embarrassed. Ah, uh-huh. Put that oh. in your pipe and smoke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I've also kind of decided I think we might go and see a urologist as well. Because... Mm, more on which next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know, it just makes sense to me to try and work out if, you know, if the problem is with my husband, then we should try and fix that. Yeah, absolutely. So, if you watch this space, potentially lots of um, appointments coming up. Yay! Exciting, won't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, loads of news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Other than that, I've got no news. Okay, well, fine. Great. Yeah. Thanks for the update, pal. Hey, no worries, man. <laughs> Thanks for asking. I'm going to dance off onto the horizon now. Oh, I'm going to sulk off into <laughs> onto the tube so (laughs) miserable with all the miserable commuters see you later mate Mm. bye bye everybody today we have the wonderful hannah vaughan jones in the studio Hello. which um hi it's fantastic because she's used to a bit more of a professional <laughs> studio in her role as cnn international anchor so we're very grateful this is much better this is this is a much better environment than what i'm used to so i'm very grateful thank you i have wine in front of me in case anyone's wondering why it's that much better <laughs> we are drinking wine which is Probably, you know, not suggested by fertility experts, but what are you going to do? We've all had Mm. bad days, except you, Hannah. You know, my day's been okay. I haven't been in work, so... (laughs) You've had a chilled day. Good, good, (laughs) good. A very chilled day. (laughs) It's a new addition to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So as well as being a journalist and presenter, Hannah and her husband, Lewis, created a pretty powerful YouTube video blog of their last IVF cycle, which got thousands of views. Hannah went on BBC Five Live to talk about her experience and generally raise awareness of the IVF process. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I watched them. They're amazing. If you haven't watched them, you must. They're so engaging. I, I ended up laughing and crying in my local coffee shop. <laughs> so thank you so much for making them. <laughs> it's funny because people are still watching them, which is really interesting because it's you know nearly a year ago now. Um, but I suppose it doesn't matter where you are on your you know journey or whatever mm. you want to call it. It's um, if you've never gone through IVF before or even if you're going through it and you just need to kind of check in with just to know that you're normal. Yeah. I suppose it's quite useful to watch it back again. Well, it also just gives you a really good idea of what goes on, like in a clinic. Yeah. Like, you know, and also, did you shoot the whole thing yourself? Was it yeah. just you? No, and Lewis as well. I mean, he did most of the filming. I, you know, when obviously when it was just like selfie filming, then that's yeah. just me. Yeah. Um, but he did, he certainly did all of the editing but you know that's just the nature of you know having two journalists in a house and a, and a laptop. Yeah. You can you can do things like that. <laughs> I, I was it. really impressed. It's pretty pacey as well. It's very jazzy. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing. We're not going to do one again. I, th- I don't think we can. Well, a Lewis probably can't be bothered yeah. <laughs> to do all the editing again. And it also, it was like a huge, quite a lot of pressure to keep the viewers up to date. Yeah. So even if you just wanted like yeah. a day off, or you're just having a crap day and you just needed to just you know curl up under the duvet and not not speak or talk to anyone it was something like oh no I've got a message I've got to I've got to put the news out there of what mm. the latest is on my you know my ovaries or <sighs> you know got to keep the got yeah. to give the viewers what they want <laughs> that is I guess that's like kind of the pressure of social media yeah like massively 100% if anything though it was a benefit more yeah. than um you know a hindrance even though we didn't get the result we wanted 
in the end, it the whole process was really cathartic. And I've said that a billion times yeah. when everyone, anyone's asked me. But it was, I mean, I just think that being able to share something that you've kept really, really private um, and you've almost been embarrassed about for a really long time to suddenly put it out there and realise that other people are not only experiencing it to some to varying degrees, but it also helps them as well. Um, you know, without sort of polishing my halo, mm. it was just like a really nice kind yeah. of um, positive thing to do in a really, you know, negative situation. Yeah, I think that was one of one of our questions is because obviously you're both broadcasters. Mm. But was it strange talking about something so personal and narrating that rather than yeah. the news? I'm really heart on sleeve about most things mm. in life. So pretty much, you know, anyone could stop me in a coffee shop and ask me how I'm doing and I'd probably take five minutes um, to explain. Uh, Lewis, on the other hand, is maybe more, I don't know, maybe this is probably a gender stereotype, but he's much more closed off. Mm. So he hadn't told all of his close friends. Mm. Um, And I have probably comparatively a lot more friends who I would consider close friends as well. And I'd pretty much told everyone by that, by the point that we'd, you know, had said that we were going to do this, the, um, the vlog. So um, it was far more natural to me and I just wanted to sort of do something that was a bit rough and ready and just show it all kind of all angles of going through a round of treatment. Whereas Lewis was far more broadcastery and professional about it and said, no, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it properly and it's going to look good and it's going to make sense and it's going to, you know, reach more people. So he was completely spot on because I probably would have just like stuck some, you know, selfie videos up on Instagram unedited and it wouldn't have had the same impact. Oh, it looked great. The music was great. Yeah. 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 Um, can we just like rewind right to the beginning? Tell us about your journey. Um, so what, as in right back to the beginning? Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's been really long and really boring. Um, I think that's the thing. Everyone everyone kind of goes, oh, I've been trying to conceive for six years, for two years, for six months, whatever it might be. And it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. It's just really dull because yeah. you have the same conversation mm. over and over again with your partner and, you know, that's not fun. And then you have to keep explaining everything over and over again to new people, either friends who are just new to it or new people mm. in your life. But basically, we um, we probably started trying to have a baby about five years ago and um, soon realised that it just wasn't well, it wasn't happening, probably after about a year. So went to have some tests done and uh, they discovered that there were problems on both sides. So great. on, exactly, yeah, mm. really great. So sperm morphology, motility, quantity, all that kind of stuff was on the downside. Okay. And I have a heart-shaped uterus. Oh, congratulations. Oh, so cute. How adorable. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I really love it. So it's called a bicornuate uterus. Uh-huh. And some so basically when everyone else has a kind of like nice, um, I don't know, egg shaped, let's call it uterus, mine is in the shape of a heart. So some people have an actual uh, wall down the middle of their uterus to separate into it into two cavities. And you need to have the wall removed, right. surgically removed in order to have enough space to, to grow a fetus. I don't have a walled septum down the middle, but it is still two cavities. Now, fortunately, they're kind of big in size or good in size. So there's no reason to suggest that I couldn't carry a child. But it just means that I'm at probably higher risk of late term term miscarriage uh, or miscarriage just in general. So that sucks. And there's not really anything they can do about that. And the other extra bonus is that I have a hidden cervix. Oh, uh, so even just gone? Like, it's it's at three o'clock 
Oh. I'm told. I've been reliably told it's now at three o'clock. Five years later after, you know, think of the number of not just transvaginal scans that we Mm -hmm. have. Love it. Love that. But also, you know, all the um, smear tests that you have through your life as well. They're kind of unpleasant but normally not that uncomfortable for Mm -hmm. most people Mm -hmm. whereas they're really really uncomfortable for me um so as a result I'm pretty sure that I we we realized very early on that conceiving naturally just was I mean the chances were so so slim um so we went straight for IVF and we were told quite explicitly actually by the nurse our NHS nurse that we would, you know, it's not going to happen for you anyway, other than IVF, which oh, was kind wow. of nice to have that blunt, yeah, yeah, acknowledgement, I yeah. suppose. But it was also a bit of a shock. Um, and then we were really naive about it and thought that it would work, you know, first time, and uh, it didn't. And we went headfirst into a billion rounds of private treatment. So we are now just about to kickstart. Fresh cycle number eight. Oh, cheers. Thanks, yeah. Number eight. Number eight. Lucky number lucky eight. Lucky number Dude, eight. it is lucky. Is it? Yeah, I think in China it's lucky. Yeah. Yeah, it's lucky for someone. Oh. It will be good. Um, mm. So that is a really, like, long story, as short as I can get it. Mm-hmm. And there's been so many, um, you know, bumps and turns along the way. So we, you know, I think a lot of people who've been trying to conceive for a really long time often think what would they do differently if they could get turn back the clock mm. and for us you know five years on and I don't know what it is now probably like 70 grand down or something yeah. and we're we would we would know a lot a lot more like go into the whole process with yeah. so much more knowledge um but most of that is just because medical science is still catching up is still really slow not catching up with us but it's just slow yeah so the things that they knew five years ago, or that they know now, they just didn't know five years ago. Mm. And so when we were going for all the first tests in a, in private clinics, uh-huh. um, we said repeatedly, or Lewis actually said repeatedly, is there anything else that you can tell us that can help? Is there any other drug yeah. out there, any other procedure, mm. anything else? He said it all the time to every consultant. And these are the best consultants in the country, probably the best consultants in London. And they just didn't have the answer or they just said, nope, nope, that's it. We've we've done everything we possibly can. We've thrown the kitchen sink at it. And and then you go on to the next place or the next consultant and there's always something else they can can try. So that that would be what I would tell my five-year-ago self. It's interesting because I've heard a lot of people say, a few people say, like, is the fact that we've moved on so little since 40 years ago when Louise Brown was born. Is that, like, misogynistic? Is, is it because this is regarded as women's medicine and we're not really... There's no progress being made? Well, I think they are now starting to make a bit of progress when it comes to male infertility. Yeah. And that they're starting to acknowledge yeah. that it, it's a problem and it exists. I mean, I have a... a um, a relative in my family who's in her 80s now and she couldn't she was trying to conceive in the you know the war years 1940s and 50s and getting nowhere and she you know had all these procedures and everything like that and there was never any question as to whether her husband might have been you know the source of the problem mm. and so now she's just sort of says to me she's like oh god it's gonna it's bound to work for you but it's bound to work medical science is amazing I'm like well you know it's still you know still not quite there in terms yeah. of acknowledging that there are problems on both sides. So I don't know. I, yeah, it's it's just slow. And actually at the Louise Brown event at yeah. the Science Museum, I asked the 
the uh, professor who was there, who was sort of representing the original team of um, of doctors who had worked with Louise Brown's parents, he I said to him, said, you know, it's twenty five percent success rate, but that means obviously there's a seventy five percent failure rate. Yeah. Um, so whilst we're kind of celebrating Louise's birthday, and mm. that's great, and there are obviously billion millions of babies rather who, that have been born yeah. via IVF, there's obviously a load of heartache that goes with that as well. So should we also be criticising, or at least looking critically at the process yeah. processes behind the clinics that exist, and the number of clinics, and the the money making that goes on behind? Oh yeah. Um, behind all of those doors that people are just completely vulnerable to because, mm-hmm. you know, you're playing with people's lives. You're playing with people's dreams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so much of it. And I guess that's part of... I mean, we're really veering off topic now. I know. I guess that's part of um, this this thing about the NHS. Because the NHS doesn't provide three rounds to everyone, it means that there's loads of people stepping into the breach and the people stepping into the breach are offering all these hopes and mm. dreams will give you an endometrial scratch mm. which there was a study that came out that said it makes no difference yeah, don't I've know how good that was i was gonna say have you gone they've had, had four and they're hideous they're, 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 all, they're all hideous and everyone says i mean that you know oh it's it's bearable it's just like a 20 second hideous hideous period yeah oh wow. great but 20 seconds of just like wanting to like rip your own yeah. you know abdomen out oh, god and it's, it's really really not nice but you know at the time you do it because you know it's 500 pounds well spent yeah <laughs> are there any yeah. other things that you've kind of gone for that you were like mm, what if it works yeah. maybe we should we did a thing called um calcium ionophore which is before egg and sperm are put together with ICSI because we've always done ICSI. Yeah, we'd be doing that. Um, so it's 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 supposed to uh, help fertilization. So I think ICSI is performed, so sperm ent- is mm. put into egg and then they're put in this kind of dish with this calcium ionophore mixture and it's supposed to encourage fertilization okay so, like me with the sperm friendly lube now as well yeah that was about seven everywhere 750 quid or something oh, like that god there's all these things and then in the end it was just it didn't work and then what else did we try well we, there's all these doctors who will and this is not to disparage any of these doctors by the way because i i, I know that some people swear by them and think they're doing the most fantastic mm. work when it comes to immunology but- ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
that we, because immunology is still a relatively new thing, I think. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are working out whether they've got natural killer cells or whether they've got cytokines coming out their ears or whatever it is. Um, So we had a, a first set of blood tests done and that was sent off to Chicago or something like that. And then everything came back relatively normal. I didn't mm. have any weird thyroid problems or anything like that. And as a result, though, there was one test out of 15 or something like that that was ever so slightly out of the normal range. So we ended up doing the intralipids on um, actually on our last fresh cycle. And intralipids is basically when you have a, a drip. It's a fat drip. That's nice. You sit there for about three hours with a a drip of 3,000 calories going into your system. Yeah, it's astonishing. That feels against everything. And no one told me about the calorie side. So I'm munching a sandwich all the way through this going, you know, kill some time. Um, So that was annoying. And then it turns out that once we, you know, the intralipids may have worked. I was pretty convinced after I got pregnant Mm. on the last cycle that we did. I was convinced that the intralipids had maybe helped mm-hmm. in terms of retaining the pregnancy. Um, but then when we had, had a miscarriage and we went, we had extra tests done with a, a different doctor who was also a specialist in uh, immunotherapy and he didn't want to rely on the Chicago blood tests. He wanted to run his own blood tests. So that was another two and a half thousand pounds. Oh, wow. Um to, and he said, he said, well, everything's come back normal, which is, and I said, okay, oh, well, great. At least we've kind of crossed that off the list. Mm-hmm. And he was almost disappointed because I think, you know, in a way, had he come up with something abnormal, it would have been like, ah, mm. oh, ding, yeah, there something it is. To do. This, is, this is something we can deal yeah. with, or this is, the, this is a problem. It's just not just unexplained anymore. Um, but, you know, he admitted as well that, in five years' time, there'll be another 10 blood tests, that they things that they can test for, and that list will just get longer and longer, and then obviously the price will go up and up and up. And, I, you know, and as a result, it was, as it turns out for us, it's about, we've spent about three and a half, actually more with intralipids, probably spent about seven or eight grand overall on immunotherapy treatment, which has made no difference whatsoever and I probably never needed because I don't have anything that's outside of the normal range really Mm. when it comes to my natural killer cells it's a minefield isn't it it's such a minefield and that I feel so like makes me really angry when I think about it like that because we've kind of like done it all now yeah and so now we can just cherry pick the things that we can be bothered to do Mm -hmm. but there's other people who are kind of like at the well you know at, at an earlier stage and, you know, each person is, each couple is totally different. So you can't just say, well, it worked for her and for the, for them or mm-hmm. for him. Mm. So it's going to work for me. And so you don't really want to, you know, I don't want to come on here and sort of say, everyone should just ignore immunotherapy. It genuinely works, I'm sure of it, for people who need it. But you've got yeah. to spend a heck of a lot of money to find out whether you need it. And, you know, if you haven't got that money, you might just be encouraged just to have the treatment anyway just in case it makes a difference. Yeah. And that's where I think the system fails people. So we need doctors basically to say to to assess better whether people yeah. would benefit from things mm. like that. But they just mm. don't know. But this is this what I mean about medical science just not being fast enough yet. They they're working their socks off to try and get there, but they yeah. you know it's still a a learning curve and I, I just don't think they they have enough uh research that's been done or um enough samples of of worldwide of 
what's a success and what's not. How did you fund your rounds? So your private rounds, I should say. Privately, um, this was about by the time we got to round five, I would say. So we did three rounds that were um, privately funded just through kind family members mm. <laughs> um, and savings. And then um, there's a company called Access Fertility, which is kind of like a, a finance company, and they have a scheme. And there may be other companies like like Access Fertility, but this is the one we work with who were really reliable, and I would just recommend them. Um, every clinic, or most clinics, as far as I know, will work with Access Fertility for funding. So, so they're like a loan company? Kind of. They have various um, packages that they offer people. So, for example, there's one which is called a refund scheme, and you have to have some kind of a medical review in order to qualify for it, which remarkably we did qualify, even though we'd done X number of rounds of treatment beforehand. But it was um, uh, it's called a refund scheme because you get three fresh rounds of treatment and... Uh, and between those each round of treatment you have to use up any embryos you may have as well and those would be funded as well all those transfers would be funded um and that includes does it include drugs no i think you have to pay for your medic you know you pay for your medication on top of this Mm. but it would be about say the last i checked about 14 or 15 thousand pounds for three rounds of treatment and if at the end of those three rounds of treatment and the use of any embryos you may have had, you don't have a baby um, or a, a live birth, as they brilliantly oh, put God. it, if you don't have a live birth, you get 75% or seven, sorry, 70% of that initial £15,000 back, yeah. which is a really odd way of looking at trying to conceive because obviously you would happily pay anything whatever you could possibly raise in order to have a have a child um but also there is something that makes you think oh actually if i go through all of this hell but i could still potentially get you know nine ten thousand pounds back at the end of it at least i could put that nine ten thousand pounds towards another round of treatment or something like that um which is exactly what happened happened for us and then there's another thing if you don't qualify for the under the medical review for the refund programs there are things called multi-cycles so i think you can get sort of something like two rounds for ten thousand pounds as or nine thousand pounds as opposed to paying you know seven thousand pounds per round or something wow so wow. it's worth checking out Good access fertility access fertility yeah they're great so what would your message be to someone who's going through this who's being offered these kind of treatments um if it were me honestly i would just do everything because that's what i did mm. <laughs> so my message would be suck it up and go for it <laughs> um but just eat pot noodles just eat pot noodles for a while eat beans um what would my message be i suppose it would just be do as much research as you possibly can you don't need to become you know a fertility expert although you'll feel like one at the end of it all but there are all of these medical reviews and reports are available online you can look them all up the hfea which is the human fertilization Watchdog. embryology authority well done. Well done. Oh, Mark's gold star for Emma. <laughs> you get a free round for that. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm joking. So. Don't. <laughs> um, but no, I'm sure that their website, I haven't looked on it for a long time, to be honest, but I, I know that they are a really good watchdog and mm-hmm. they are trying to clamp down on clinics that are kind of, you know, cowboy clinics or whatever. And um, so they have, at the moment, they are, I think the rules changed this year at least, whereby all clinics now have to at least offer their patients recent results 
So instead of just saying you need an endometrial scratch, instead mm-hmm. of just saying do this uh, ionophore, calcium ionophore, whatever it is, yeah. mixture, instead of intralipids, they'll tell you what the success or other rates are. Um, and then you can judge for yourself. So I think it is starting to get better. I was fascinated watching, again, watching the YouTube series that you just going back to work and absolutely mm. smashing it. Like, <laughs> it was so professional at a time that must have been must have been quite difficult. Like, how do you, well, how I get, do you do it? I think it's because, you know, I'm my job is to present and a part of that is acting. And I've always loved a spotlight, loved being mm. on stage and loved acting. And so I think for a lot of other people, they go into work after going through maybe kind of like a miscarriage or some, something hideous when it comes to trying to conceive. And they have, they sit at their desk and they feel like all eyes are on them. And it's a really uncomfortable, just sink into yourself, vulnerable feeling. Whereas instead, even though it sounds really kind of perverse, because I'm going onto a kind of international stage in a sense, it was like I got to escape from me for a bit yeah. and go and just be a better version of myself right. or the person I want to be. Like today, I'm going to be Hannah Vaughan Jones, international broadcaster. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to be Hannah Vaughan Jones, basket case, who yeah. can't put one foot in front of the other and just cries all the time. You know, it's just, it was a really, really easy and I wanted to do it. I wanted to work as much as possible around, whereas other people don't in the kind of mm. the two, two week wait and things like that. I was like, oh my God, I need to just escape my head mm. as and much it's, as possible. Is that partly down to the fact that you really love your job? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I do love my job and, I'm, and I, it's always changing. There's no kind of, it's never monotonous. It's just, you know, yes. So I'm lucky in that sense again. But, um, but I, you know, I think everyone just has to, you have to make a choice as well. There are certain things you can control in life and there are certain things you can't. You can't control yeah. so much when you're going through IVF. It's just stripped from you. But things you can control are things like your attitude when you wake up in the morning. Like, am I going to feel sorry for myself all day? If I choose to, that's fine. If I'm not at work, that's mm-hmm. totally fine. I can just sit in my pajamas and eat ice mm-hmm. cream. And that's no problem. But you can also go... I'm going to set myself a challenge. I'm going to go to the gym because it makes me feel better. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to take the dog for a walk. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to, you know, go and have coffee with a friend. I'm going to go and have that like extra strong latte because I haven't had caffeine in three weeks and I'm just (laughs) desperate to just, you know, nail it now. You know, there are things that you can choose to do to have a positive impact, even if it's not an impact on anyone else's life, but just to kind of put one foot in front of the other. And work has just been the biggest relief for both of us actually I think for Lewis yeah. as well because it's you know you often forget the guy <laughs> <laughs> I, I have that a little bit like I I do find myself kind of escaping to work and just yeah Donald Trump starts talking and I am not thinking yeah, about my exactly. uterus <laughs> even if he is <laughs> I suppose it stops it defining you as well and being that the thing that you do and the thing yeah. that you are mm-hmm. if you are someone else and yourself at the same time yeah it's weird though for social media reasons because I'm kind of on Twitter is Twitter for me is mostly work stuff Mm, and Instagram has been kind of like the home of fertility and infertility and that sort of stuff so and and also my sort of and my private life which I suppose of course is fertility stuff as well Mm -hmm. so um it's it's difficult to kind of like separate the two because I might put something work related on Instagram and then I'm like, oh, hang on a minute, this is a load of like hormonal women who are going to be watching this. <laughs> they don't care about what's going on in, in India right now. But, you know, I'm just sort of mixing it up a bit. <laughs> Talking about your Instagram, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about Barry John, please? Oh, <laughs> I love that bear so much. Why is he called Barry John? Barry oh, John. Wait, wait, we should say who is Barry John. Yeah, sorry. Barry sorry. John 
lives in Cardiff and he is or was the greatest rugby player of all time in the 1970s. Wow. For Wales and the Lions. And my husband, when we agreed that we, when he finally conceded to let me have a dog, he said, we can only get a dog if I can name it. So <laughs> he named it Barry John. That's a great and name. And if it had been a bitch, it probably would have been Shirley Bassey. Oh, of course. Oh, wow. so, of course. Yeah. So Barry Marsh John Massive. has actually met Barry John. No. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great, a great meeting. I think <laughs> Barry John Human was a little disappointed that Barry John Canine is a, you know, fluffy white little... <laughs> There. <laughs> like a muscular bulldog yeah dog. it wasn't quite the image that he was he conjured up in his head beforehand but yeah he's amazing and I think lots of people said to me oh you know you're just getting a dog to make up the fact that you don't have a baby and I was like yeah, yeah. and I'm fully aware of it and it makes me feel really good and he's absolutely gorgeous and he's a nightmare and Lewis will always say I can't believe we have this dog that's ruining our lives <laughs> But I love him to pieces and um, yeah, the best thing that I've done and people get cats or dogs or whatever it is, get a parrot, whatever, just someone to kind of offload on when you don't want to talk to a human because sometimes humans are really judgmental and dogs never are. He's also really unfortunate because when we first got him, I didn't realise that Barry John was going to be shortened to BJ. So when you go into a park and yell, BJ, come. That's amazing. That's really awkward. (laughs) Now it just goes straight over my head and I'm like, whatever, it doesn't doesn't bother me anymore. (laughs) Fortunately, everyone else in Twickenham where we live who walks their dogs, they all know him because he's quite a character. So it's just completely passed them by as well. It's amazing. It's an unfortunate abbreviated name. (laughs) Uh, so I guess he gets you out and about when you're yeah. if you're having a day where you're like I don't want to see anyone. Yeah, yeah, he's just amazing, and I just think it's it's a really good thing to do. I'm not saying to everyone like go out there and get a you know a dog, a horse, or whatever, mm-hmm. but um, just being active. I mean, it sounds really obvious, even if you're not a particularly sporty person. Um, but I always found that um, through the last five years, because I've always been relatively sporty. I needed to have other goals outside of IVF. So a lot of people would say that's a challenge enough in and of itself. So, you know, that should be all your focus should be on that. Whereas my approach was kind of like, well, that's one challenge. But whilst I'm at it, I'm going to set myself another challenge as well. And that might be getting a dog and, Mm. you know, walking him five miles a day or whatever it is. Or, I mean, I did a half marathon earlier in the summer because I just thought, I need to train for something. I need to kind of like, it doesn't matter how long it takes me to finish it, yeah. but I need to, I need to cross a finish line. Yeah. Knowing that I've, I need to start a race knowing that I can cross the finish line basically. Cause I think I've just been re- running and running, running and running through the IVF thing for so long mm-hmm. and never actually getting my medal at the end. And I was like, I want a medal in a t-shirt, you know? That's a really and I nice got analogy. One. Yeah. So yeah. God, I really need to stop doing two miles and start doing more. But that was miles. my problem. I was always doing, I would do my, my there's a nice little um, circuit yeah. from my house, from my front door, and it's two miles exactly. Uh, so I would just be like, oh, I don't want to go for a run. I don't want to go for a run. And you eventually like, yeah. you know, get yourself out the door and plod along yeah, at that's the slowest pace ever. Yeah. And it was just like a glorified <laughs> walk. Me. And then, and do your two miles and pat yourself on the back. And yeah. it's made no difference whatsoever <laughs> to your like level of fitness or to any kind of calorie count that you may be on. Yeah. Nothing like that. But, it, I mean, at least it gets um, the old endorphins going. Well, that's what I, I think. I th- so I have started running and my cycle has instantly become 
Well, it might be a coincidence, but my cycle has instantly become more regular. Oh, that's um, good. Because over the summer, I was really crap at exercise. I just, it was too hot. Yeah, I'm so not I very good at running in the off. heat either. Yeah, and I think because I was doing a drug-based round, mm. um, frozen embryo transfer, I was like, yeah, the drugs will sort it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And now I'm trying again for a natural frozen embryo transfer. Okay. So, um, so I've got to sort my hormones out. So all the drugs um, you were talking in the last one about, was it Proganova and yeah. Estradiol and yeah. Patches and all of that? So yeah. I've done all of that. How's, right it, how's it going? I mean, I had a really bad time. Like, I actually, last time I did it, I didn't react so badly. So I remember the day before my embryo transfer, I did my first ever 5K. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Brilliant. My last ever 5K. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But just for myself, because I just decided if I'm ever going to run that far, like today yeah, is going to be it. Yeah. Um, and then with this, with um, this round, I wasn't exercising because it was hot. It was just too hot. It was too hot. It was like I 30 ran, degrees. I ran here to yeah. do a, a record once and I was so red in the face by the time I arrived. I think I had to take at least a half an hour break. <laughs> and the the thing water. is that much. you think in the heat, I'll yeah. go swimming instead because I love swimming. But then if you're doing any kind of IVF, they always, especially if you're in the two week wait, I'll never forget the first, my first two week wait. And a nurse turned around to me and they give you a kind of like, you know, a sheet of paper and say, um, this is your test day. This is a, actually if you do it in a private clinic. Mm-hmm. I think on the NHS, you just go away and you just pee on a stick yourself, Yeah, it's you? awful. 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 And if you're in a private clinic, more often than not, they test you. They, you do a blood test to find out if you're pregnant. And then um, so they give you a sheet of paper and they said, right, okay, so there are a couple of rules for the next 10 days or two weeks. Um, no laptops on laps, no dogs on laps no swimming obviously no alcohol and no weird foods that you haven't had before yeah but I was like sorry I'm not I'm putting my dog on my lap because I don't have a choice on that I'm afraid no swimming but in case there's some sort of infection lurking around in the pool and you know if you're about to go on holiday or something like that I think at one point we we had one two-week wait when I was just about to go to France or something like that on holiday and you think oh great I'm gonna have to sit in 38 degrees yeah yeah well I'm that kind of ruins my IVF in Greece plan oh yeah it does it really (laughs) does you're right my two-week wait just boiling the thing is that if you go to the NHS you're like is there and so is there anything that I should or shouldn't be doing and they're Mm. like well don't get really 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 drunk yeah, great. And don't do great. any drugs. Ah, good one. Uh, and no hot yoga as well. Yeah, don't no lift anything. Yoga or anything. Don't lift anything too heavy. Yes. And that's all they said to me. And I was like, okay, okay. Uh, soft cheeses? They're like... <laughs> they're like... <laughs> It's just so weird. They 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 almost don't want to recommend anything in the NHS. But it all boils down to the fact that they don't know. Yeah, that's that's what it comes down to. I mean, you think about it: people who are conceiving naturally, left, right, and centre, and they're most of the time, I don't know, probably getting drunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, certainly. Like my best friend exclusively conceives when she's drunk. <laughs> Sorry, so. <laughs> um, but you know, you you might be on holiday, so you're just knocking back the wine or the cheese and all of that sort of stuff, and you're in the sunshine, so you're probably too, you know, a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. You're in water. And there's contamination left, right, and centre, and you're still able to conceive. And so I think they just say it because they're trying to sort of like sanitize the environment as mm. much as possible and but you end up becoming as you'll both know just a complete fruit loop for yeah. two yeah. weeks and I my last two week wait I was just absolutely well I've, I can't even remember if it was the last one I've, there's been too many it's been like a year of my life two week waits 
Um, but I just thought I'm not, I'm not caving into it right. this time. So whilst I would definitely cut back on coffee, yeah, I wouldn't have any caffeine in a two week wait, for example, okay. after I've done an embryo transfer. But I would always, I still have like a coffee a day. Yeah, that's you know, fine. now or something like that. Um, and I just all of the other rules and things like that. I just think it's nonsense. You for two week wait, you tend to go to work. Yes. If you were going to give someone advice, I'd just be would busy. Would that be part of it? Yeah, busy. be busy. Yeah. I mean, unless if your job is um, very stressful and you know that those that, that two-week period when you're supposed to be kind of taking it easy, which is, of course, good advice to take it easy, then, you know, maybe take some time off work if, you're, if you know you're going to be running mm. around like a blue-ass fly and just kind of going, you know, and very stressed and have a big project on, then maybe it's, that's the time to go, do you know what, I need to take that time off. I mean, you do present the news. <laughs> I mean, <no. laughs> it's not chilled. But it, I, 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 I don't... It's quite stressful, but I've done it for so long now that I've, I've, I suppose it's been like 15, 20, 15 years of being in those environments. I've always been in 24 hour newsrooms internationally. So it was in Moscow and then London. And so I've always been in those really kind of like hard environments where you have, yeah, so I have hour deadlines normally or 10 minute deadlines. Or it's just suddenly like, can you just ad lib about Putin for a bit? I'm like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Because it just it's just kind of like acting and improv. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on the work front, yes. I, I just want to tell everyone that's listening that Hannah has probably the best hair of anyone I've ever met, <laughs> IRL. Oh, that's a good story with this, actually, though. Okay. So my hair... is so great. Thanks. It's <laughs> so thick. It is really thick, which, again, makes me very lucky. But... Uh, in my last fresh cycle of treatment, and I don't know which drugs it was, mm-hmm. but there's a patch of hair um, at the back of my head, basically where I lie on the... Because I lie in a kind of like mummified... I sleep in a mummified position. Okay. And and I, I think it was just where my head was on the pillow, but my hair became like straw and it got worse and worse and worse as I was doing the stimulation drugs. And and all of the makeup artists at work were just like, this is just getting like, we can't, we can't manage this anymore. <laughs> There's only so much. Thankfully, wow. it's the back of my head, so you couldn't see it so much. Um, but yeah, my my crowning glory was oh, no. was oh, disappearing, God, and there was How nothing. Dare you, IVF. I know exactly. It sucks. And I found out that actually avocado oil is the is the really? solution. Yes. Oh, there you go, guys. So if you top tip, if you're kind of doing IVF and you feel like your skin's really dry or your nails are cracking and just everything feels a bit gross because you just generally obviously feel gross. Avocado or eat avocado and then just stick it on your head. Really? Mm. Okay, doing that. My hair's yeah. disgusting. Um, <laughs> so, but what I was going to say is, you're you've got really great hair. Like you dress immaculately, especially when you're on TV. Does that help you preserve your kind of strength? Yeah, and keep your front up. Yeah, definitely. I think so. I, I really believe in um, power dressing, and I don't mean in the kind of like eighties power suits, but. Um, you know, Kat Strawbridge at Trying Years is a, a great proponent of this because she's a you know a, a stylist herself and she will work with people to just to dress to empower themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had so much kind of styling over the years through various jobs mm. that I've had, and so you f- you work out what what makes you feel good. And even though I'm kind of I'm I'm actually I'm bigger than the the average female presenter. 
and I'm much broader as well but I always end up wearing kind of very like pencil skirts and quite uh, figure hugging tops and dresses and the like just because I know that I need to just convince myself that I need to get my posture right suck everything in otherwise it's going to look terrible (laughs) so it's block colors no pattern very minimal um no never any necklaces bold statement earrings and normally a bright red lip (laughs) I love it I find it very inspiring I think you have to dress to make yourself feel good and you know obviously if I've just been injecting goodness knows what in my tummy for however Mm. long Mm -hmm. then I'm not going to be wearing a kind of like a figure hugging dress I'm more likely to be seen in a very flouncy well not flouncy but a a loose fitting uh, shirt or something like that but um it's always block colour and it's always something that's quite punchy just because I think if you have something that pops out of you, yeah. then you're more likely to be quite poppy and upbeat. Yeah. yeah. And, and then it just gets the energy I going. I like it. That's cool. Well, Hannah, I feel like we could t- literally keep going all night. <laughs> yeah. Um, or all whatever time people are listening to. At least until another two bottles have gone. Oh yeah. my God, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, I, you know, one of the questions that we had was around the kind of coverage of IVF because your piece in The Times um, that appeared in October last year. Yes. Um, and that's October 2017 for those listening in the future. <laughs> um, was very confessional, but I felt like it was one of the first or earliest examples of that, that kind of very honest yeah. writing about infertility. Like... I think you started with I might never be a mum. Yeah, it was um, something that I wrote after we'd had our we'd had a frozen embryo transfer that had failed. Yeah, and we just had the phone call from the clinic that day, and I sat down in the evening with a laptop and I said to turn to Lewis and said that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna write this down. I just need to get it off my chest. Yeah, and it took ten minutes, and I just yeah. wrote the whole thing out, and it was exactly what I wanted to say. If I was talking to a stranger or to my best friend it mm-hmm. was exactly what mm. I, I how I felt at that moment and what I wanted to say and I was just I was fed up I was sick and tired of being quiet about it because we had up to that point pretty much kept everything whilst our close friends knew yeah it certainly wasn't common knowledge at our work for example or anything like that yeah um and it was a wonderful feeling I I wrote it I handed it to Lewis to read and he's my biggest biggest fan and biggest critic and he uh, read it and just said, it's it's brilliant. And and I was about to just upload it onto Facebook, just as like one big chunk. And he said, no, 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 you need to need to send this to an editor and get it published. This needs to go to brilliant. a bigger audience, which is really brave, actually, of him, because A, it wasn't his words, and yet it was his story. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'd never talked, especially from him, he just had never talked about it in, in such a public way. So um, it kind of spiralled from there. And now I think everyone's writing stuff. I've since written loads and loads of words in a similar kind of vein of just going, oh, I'm just going to sit down. Yeah. It will feel really good. I know lots of people keep like an IVF diary and things yeah. like that, which I think is a great idea. Um, I've written probably about 30,000 words of something. I don't know what it is. But now it doesn't even feel relevant to as something that I could publish because everyone else is doing stuff that's so that's reads so much better. Oh, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure that's not true. Go, I may have kickstarted this kind of like honesty thing, but now it just like oh no that was brilliant I could never put it I could never put it like that and also it's out of date like how I felt and how the industry 
if you can call it an industry, the industry was a year ago, mm-hmm. is really different to how it is now. Mm. So a lot of the things that I was writing, you know, over, that I've written over the last year and how I felt as well, um, are just either inaccurate um, and, and just not relevant anymore. A lot of the emotional stuff as well. I mean, honestly, yeah. if you write stuff down when you're at your most hormonal, it's frightening when you read it back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did poetry once. Did you? Yeah, that's a good Then one. I read it back and was like, delete. <laughs> but it's amazing how you feel afterwards. It does help. It like, does help. In my darkest hours, I've written it down and it just instantly clears something out mm. of the system. My sister-in-law is in publishing and she's a brilliant editor and I love her to pieces and she's read a lot of the stuff that I've written. And just to, I wanted to get a kind of like a, you know, a good perspective of where I was going with this and did she think any of it was any good. And uh, and she was very sweet and she said, you know, no, it's good. It's good. Um, she said, a couple of things we need to delete. <laughs> and it was more, it was some of the uh, the bits that where I'd been like a complete psychopath. So I put this sort of disclaimer at the beginning of just like, by the way, a lot of this has been written yeah. when I'm nuts. And then you read it back and you go, oh, wow, that's angry. That's mm. really angry. Mm. Kind of like when you see a sign of like a um, baby on board on the back of a car. Mm. And you think, that's just bragging. <laughs> that's just bragging. All right, no need to rub it in. Exactly. It's like as if anyone's going to drive any faster, you know, if you didn't have a baby on board around you. Yeah. And I just thought, it's just unnecessary bragging. But now I kind of go, well, yeah, of course, you know, actually, if I'm a driver and I see a baby on board, I'm probably not going to go and like, you know, go right up close to them. I probably am going to keep my distance well, for many reasons. <laughs> I think it depends at what point in the cycle I am. Yeah. Yeah. I might nudge their bumper <laughs> in a bad place. Anyway, Hannah, look, it's been so great to have you and thank, thank you, you so me. much for coming in. It's just been it's been very cathartic. Good. Yes. Good. Thanks for the wine. Oh, that's all right. Thank you. Cheers. 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 Shall we cheers? Yeah. <laughs> And now it's time for Old Worst Tales. Fact or fiction. Uh-huh. Um, you have been speaking to Professor Tim. Professor Tim Child. About the subject of Booze. Booze. <laughs> Boozy, booze, booze. <laughs> um, so we, I'm, I mean, I go through a, a booze cycle Do when you? it comes to TTC. Yeah. I go through the I am not drinking. Then I go through the oh, one's all right. Yeah. And then I get to, I'm drinking all the drinks. Well, yours are different cycles, aren't you? Because you're doing IVF, so it's mm-hmm. not um, the monthly yeah. alcohol, no alcohol cycle that many others do yeah. when they're TTC. So I, when I was stimming, um, trying to produce as many eggs as possible, I did not drink for like three months. Right. I didn't lose as much weight as I wanted to lose. I'll be honest. How was the bank balance? That's the other thing. Oh, bank balance was good because I didn't go out or see anyone or yeah. socialise. Yeah, but that's... my Netflix balance, poor. Um, but then when I've been doing transfer cycles, I have been allowing myself the odd glass. Yeah. I think that's okay, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I um, I'm a, mm, I drink, I don't know, like I'm, I don't know whether to give up or not. I'm kind of in this weird place where I'm like, I am serious about this, so maybe I should stop drinking. Yeah, but what if you never get pregnant? I know, and then I've denied myself all that delicious wine. And you've had no fun. Oh, God. Although booze doesn't necessarily equal fun, so... Yeah, so in order to put this to rest, finally, I thought mm-hmm. we'd ask Professor Tim about it and see what he had to say. Great. Take it away, Professor Tim. So, it's a difficult one, this one. Um, in general, my view would be a small bit of 
what keeps you happy is absolutely fine and clearly there's been many children um, conceived following uh, following alcohol. Um, the studies are somewhat conflicting, so some studies have suggested that it's best to avoid alcohol altogether. Um, but I think overall, I think small amounts of alcohol, just being sensible about it, would be absolutely fine. Right. And is that for people who are both trying to conceive naturally and going through the IVF process? Yes, that would be my view. I, I think that, again, the, the evidence is not really there that just small amounts of alcohol cause problems either conceived naturally or during IVF. And so I think uh, you know, just being reasonable about things, I think binge drinking, probably not a great idea, but uh, small sensible amounts, if that helps people relax, helps them cope with fertility issues or helps them cope when going through IVF, then I'd see that as a, as a positive thing. Brilliant. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better. Thanks, Professor Tim. Right, well, that is a wrap. That is a wrap. It's a wrap. A wrap on episode eight. Okay. Well, guys, what? It's episode nine. Oh, yeah. Oh, I made, made a boo-boo. Oh. <laughs> made a little boo-boo. I'm not going to re-record this. <laughs> episode nine, uh, of course. Uh, and I knew that all along. <laughs> guys, I hope your week is as productive as Gabby's is about to be. (laughs) See you guys. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.